Y'all better not come to my studio with that fake shit. Y'all better not come to my funeral with that fake shit. Y'all better off realizing there's nothing that y'all could do with me. All I ever ask is keep it eight more than 92 with me. One. What up, though? Today is September 19th, 2016. It's a Monday. Miko Mondays. I hope you guys are ready. I literally just got off the red eye from Phoenix. I'm tired as shit, but I love you guys and I love what I do. So I hopped on the mic to give you your weekly podcast. Now I will be doing this podcast every Monday. I will be discussing the Monday night game. I will do my best to try to cover the Thursday night game and then the Sunday night game. Now, if I have guests on that, you know, can cover a certain division or a certain team, I will allow them to do that. But for the most part, those are the only three games that I can really cover every week because I'm only like an hour and a half kind of podcast. I don't want to bore you guys. I don't want to annoy you with two and three hour podcasts covering all 32 teams. You can just watch ESPN and NFL Network and hear all their bullshit. But if you really want to see and want to hear people talk about the real X's and O's of the NFL, come check your girl out because that's exactly what I'm going to be doing today. I'll be covering um, AFC East, um, covering the NFC East maybe in the North. We'll talk about the Thursday game. We'll talk about the Sunday night game, and we'll definitely for sure get into it with the Monday night game. I've got Omar Kelly. I've got Cam from Canada joining me. Before we get into all of that, I know that I said I would not cover the Bucks, and I won't. I will leave that alone, quite simply because it does no good for anyone. Everyone is intimidated by a vagina talking about football married to a penis that plays football. So I'm going to leave all that alone. But I have to let you know about my experience in Phoenix this weekend. It was not good. And it's not just because we got our ass whooped um, yesterday by fucking, what was it, 40 to 7 was the final score. I just really feel like the city of Phoenix just doesn't like me. It doesn't like me. It doesn't like my husband. I don't know what it is, but we've only been there twice. Well, together. He's He went 2008, I believe, and played there. But... um. I wasn't his wife then, but since then we've gone for the Pro Bowl, which was 2014, and then yesterday. And when we went for the Pro Bowl, for those of you that don't know, it was pretty bad. Um, I had to have oral surgery in my mouth. They hated on my husband, cut his pay. Then they shaded him with the MVP that he should have won. The fucking Biltmore Hotel can eat all the dicks in the world because their staff stole my Rolex while we were at the game. And I wasn't the only... um players family member that lost stuff there were other players as well that were robbed the staff just decided you know since we were all at the game they would enter our rooms illegally steal things and then we came back act like they had no clue who got in and what happened and you know just just fuck us over basically so fuck the Biltmore Hotel in Phoenix I hope all I hope the whole shit burns down and whoever owns it loses money on it anyway so we go this week and I have a girlfriend who had a birthday weekend and I went out, turned up with her a little bit. And what I learned is that, you know, I, I always think I'm, I look bomb. I think I'm amazing. I think I'm sexy, all these things. But in Phoenix, for some reason, I'm, I'm walking around like, like I'm, I'm the best looking woman in the world because the men were so aggressive, you know, and I heard some crazy shit this weekend from things as far as you know this this guy telling me he was Italian and he had a dick the size of a black man 
and I should give him a chance because he has a black dick and and he would pound this black pussy like these guys were really saying some crazy shit to me another guy came up to me at the game and told me that I look like directly walked right up to my face and licked his lips and said you look like you taste delicious and I was just like what is going on and so I talked to my girlfriend Ashley who lives there and she tells me that all the men there that are black generally date white girls and all the white men date the black women. And that's just a common thing. And I was like, no wonder all these white guys are approaching me very aggressive and, and really just thinking they have a chance. I'm saying I'm married and all these things. And she's like, that doesn't matter. Like the black women here will hop in bed with a white man really quickly because the black men don't care about the black women. And I was just like, wow, you know, like that's, that's pretty crazy. So after hearing that, I just kind of ignored some of the verbal bullshit that I was hearing and going on about my business and, you know, at the game as well. And when the game was over, we were in a, a stairwell to go down to the family area and it was so congested and so crowded, so many people pushing and trying to get through there that I was standing at the top of the stairwell. I was on the phone with a, um, a Bucks front office person trying to figure out how to get down there. And a guy walked directly past me and I had on some Daisy Dukes, like, that, you know, typical Dukes. And this guy decided to put his hand up the back of my shorts and touch my vagina. He literally touched my vagina and I screamed so loud. And then he just casually tried to take off running from it. And with a crowd of people, there was such a big crowd that I screamed and I turned around and I literally horse collared tackled him to the ground. And this isn't like a little guy. He was about 6'4", I would say about 220, 230, somewhere around there. Big white guy. And I was just like, I was so violated. I couldn't believe that someone would do that to a woman out in public. And I'm talking about there had to be at least 100 people right there around us. And for him to do this, I just felt like something's fucking wrong with him. Like, what is what is wrong with you that you would literally go and touch someone in their genital area and just walk off like it like it never even happened. And I was so pissed. And when, when you know, I had to grab him because the security there was, I guess they thought it was a joke or something when they saw me slamming him, but they didn't respond to it. And so I started yelling like, are you guys going to fucking do something or what? And so these girls came up too and they were like, we saw what just happened to you. He put his hand, you know, they, I don't think they saw that he touched my vagina, but they saw his hand go up near my genital area. And I was so thankful for that because I didn't have anybody else like, you know, really trying to help me out with that. And so when the police grabbed him and I asked them if there was cameras in the in the stairwell and they said, yes. At first, he said, I didn't touch her. She's lying. She's making it up. Why would I do that? And then when they said there was cameras in the stairwell, he said, well, I did touch her, but but it was an accident. And I find that very disrespectful that a lot of times what's happening in America is sexual crimes are being overlooked you know a lot of women are afraid to report sexual assault and rape and things like that because a lot of people won't believe them or you know they're discouraged to um to tell their story and say what happened and as I'm sitting there giving the police my story and he's giving their his story and all this the police ask me if I'm sure that I want to press charges and I said, yes, I'm sure. Why would you ask me that? And they said, well, it's just going to be a hassle for you. You know, it looks you have an out of state license. You're going to have to fly back here. It's going to be annoying. Like, do you really want to do this? Like, we should let him go. And I'm like, fuck you. No, 
He sexually assaulted me at a football game. At the very least, he needs to be taught a lesson and not to do this ever again. And so walking away from this is all it's it's, it's laughable to me that they even suggested that I let him walk away knowing that he did this to me. And I think that happens to a lot of women. They get discouraged from telling the truth and telling someone, you know, that you did something wrong and I'm going to prosecute you. And then when we do go through all those steps, our, our system is so fucked up that you can get six months of jail, um, but you'll get 10 years for having an ounce of weed on you. Like, that's why a lot of women don't even want to get out and tell their story, because now it's like a slap in the face because there's there's really, you know, there's there's no reward from our system for for the crime. You know, and so I would encourage all women that if you were sexually assaulted or, or raped or anything like that, you should tell your story. You should you should prosecute these people because this is the only way that our system is going to wake up and realize, listen, this happens more often than you think. And it's a problem. And we need better laws to protect women. And I know that a lot of men are always saying things like women lie. They lied on me. She wanted it. She told me she wanted it. And then afterwards she regretted it or she, she tried to, she felt like she looked stupid because everybody knows she's a hoe and all these things. And I understand that. I do. I know that there have been situations where women have lied, but what you also need to understand men is if a woman is intoxicated, don't take the pussy. I don't care what she says. I don't care what she does. I don't care how she's dressed. I don't care what she looks like. Don't take the pussy. Don't invite your friends to the pussy. You guys don't share the pussy. Don't do any of the things that men do to pussy if it's drunk. Okay, Derrick Rose? Because I don't know what's going on there. I'm not saying Derrick Rose is guilty, but I saw the text messages and I saw the transcript of him being interrogated under oath. And all that shit right there tells me men really don't know boundaries a lot of times. There are boundaries. There are signs. There are things that are being missed. And a lot of times there's drugs and there's alcohol in place of your real mindset. And that's why I say don't fuck drunk pussy. Okay. It'll do nothing but get you in trouble. And unless she's yours, unless you, that is your woman and you guys are going home together drunk, I would suggest you to steer clear of any drunk pussy. And if a woman doesn't literally give you consent, don't touch her. Don't do anything because you will be guilty of a crime. And that's just what it is. You know, you, you have to accept that. So fuck Phoenix for beating us like they did, whooping our ass. And for the Biltmore for taking my watch and from the asshole who touched my vagina, fuck all of you guys. And I will be back in Phoenix to prosecute this piece of shit as soon as I hear about it. So that's about all I'm going to give you on the game. We lost. You happy now? We fucking lost. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt a lot. So I have to change subjects and, and talk about something else real quick. Shout out to shout out to the Rams. For those of you that don't know, I am an undercover Rams fan. I cannot cheer for my team, obviously, because my husband plays in the NFL. But I'm a Rams fan. I'm always going to be a Rams fan. I'm always going to cheer for them. And they they got their first win. And they scored nine points, believe it. Nine. I haven't got a touchdown yet, but that's okay. They got nine points. They beat the Sea Pussies. Shout out to 
the city for doing that for me because I really appreciate it because I, 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 although the Seahawks are a good team, I don't like anything about them after that stupid-ass arm lock and unity bullshit they pulled. But um, I talked to some of my family members about the game, and um, there were some mixed reviews about the Rams game and, and their home opener. And um, a lot of it didn't, it didn't have to do with actual football stuff. It had to do with the, the presentation of the team, believe it or not. And one of the issues that they had was that they were selling St. Louis Rams jerseys in the, <laughs> in the stadium. I don't really know who thought that was a good idea, but L.A. Rams fans don't give a shit about St. Louis Rams history, okay? They also had the Lombardi Trophy on display, you know, the, the greatest show on turf, Lombardi. Awkward. Awkward as shit for an L.A. Ram fan. I'm so sorry. Marshawn, oh, sorry. Brandon, sorry. Marshall Falk and Orlando Pace lit the cauldron. And um, Rams fans were very salty about that because they're not L.A. Rams. They felt like they should have gotten some L.A. Rams from back in the day, from the history to do that. And I kind of agree. I, 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 I can't lie. I, I can't lie. I, I don't know what it was about this whole St. Louis theme that was going on in the first game, but it wasn't received well by the L.A. fans. And I don't know if it was like a passing of the torch or showing them they have big shoes to fill. Whatever it was, it, it was not received well by the majority of my friends who were at the game or who watched the game and have friends that went there. But there's a silver lining. They won. They won the game. So I'm happy about that. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they do the rest of the year. Um, I know that the the fans are happy that they're, that they're there, but they do want a winning season as well. So I'm going to be watching every week. I won't be cheering for them. I won't be tweeting about it because it's annoying to Bucks fans, I'm sure, hearing me, you know, cheer for the Rams. So I'm not going to do that shit. I'm just going to quietly cheer for them in the background, minding my own damn business like everybody else. What's some other things going on in the news right now? Oh, Cap, Colin Kaepernick, of course, they're still talking about him. It's so funny to me that everybody's saying he's a nobody, he's irrelevant. Why do we even care when he isn't irrelevant? <clears throat> he's a part of a movement, and his supporting cast has grown to maybe like 18 players now in the NFL. He's got multiple high school teams sitting, volleyball players in college, soccer players. A whole lot of people are sitting with Kaepernick and and. The reason for this keeps getting confused. And I have to tell you guys, it has nothing to do with disrespecting the military. Like, have you not seen the Veterans for Cap hashtag? Like, they are supporting him. Not standing and saluting the flag has nothing to do with disrespecting the military. Nothing. And in my opinion, it shouldn't even be played during sporting events. Like, why is it played during American sporting events? I can understand the Olympics. I can understand competition outside of the U.S. But what is the purpose of the national anthem during football, basketball, any of these games? It's really stupid. And we all found out because ESPN told you, obviously no one's, no one's going to give me credit on ESPN for breaking that story long time ago that the NFL is getting paid by the Defense Department to 
do that veterans honor honorary you know where we stand up and we clap for the for the veterans that are in the town the hometown heroes and all that i'm the person that broke that story first but somehow espn's um Stephen A. Smith got a, a hold of the story and he reported it. So now all of a sudden everybody's figuring out that they were never um, out there for the national anthem until 2009 and that the Defense Department pays uh, five and six million dollars to these NFL organizations to do that. So if you're really trying to say that it's disrespectful to the military, why aren't you also coming at the NFL for forcing the Defense Department to pay us to salute and tribute our military and our veterans so don't don't be a hypocrite don't don't try to don't try to say he's disrespecting anyone that doesn't is disrespecting the, the military but also don't get on the nfl's ass about the fact that they have to be paid to even salute our military and let's not even get into the fact that our country really doesn't give a shit about our military when they come home so you guys are all full of shit if you're trying to say Anything about kneeling is disrespecting the veterans and the military because our whole country disrespects them already has nothing to do with the flag or that stupid ass song. But I wanted to tell you guys about one very special person that is supporting Colin Kaepernick and his name is Aiden Grimes. Yes, my little guy has been sitting in protest since Kaepernick sat and I didn't even know about it at first. He did it on his own. He's been asking me questions recently about a lot of things. He asked me what a slave was about a month ago, and I didn't really understand. But I told him. I told him what a slave was and, and what it represented to this country and some other countries as well. And he decided he wanted to sit in protest of the Pledge of Allegiance at school. And he only told me because his teacher was basically trying to violate his rights and force him to stand. And he thought he was going to be in trouble. And so he ended up coming home to tell me basically before the teacher what he thought the teacher was going to call me and tell me. And she didn't call. And, and he, you know, told me about it. And I said, well, why are you why are you doing this? And, you know, I don't want to tell you guys why he's doing it. I interviewed Aiden. I interviewed Aiden. You know, I, I do I do practice podcasts all the time. Aiden loves to be interviewed. So I interviewed Aiden and I and he explained himself and the, the way that he feels. And so I'm going to definitely air that. I think this week um, I might try to cover the Thursday night game a podcast then and I might air it with that. So I'm going to definitely let you guys know what a five-year-old is hearing a very woke and a very conscious and very smart five-year-old and how he feels about um, the protests and all those things. So I'm definitely going to get that out to you guys, hopefully this week and um, let you guys hear that. Cause I think it, I think it will be, I think you'll be quite surprised to hear how the youth is taking what's happening um in America and some of the things that, that black people have been fighting for for all these years, you know, everybody's saying things like, you know, we have progress. There's been so much progress. Why are you guys so mad? Slavery was so long ago. Get over it. And I say to them, it's so strange that we have to keep remembering 9-11, a crime that happened on our own soil and that was done by our own people. And for those of you that truly believe that some Muslims, some terrorists or whatever they called it really came over here and flew three planes into three buildings. You're ridiculous. You're absolutely ridiculous for even thinking that. Okay. If a plane flew into the Pentagon, arguably, but not really the most important building in the United States of America, a plane is what they said 
flew into the Pentagon and there's no camera footage of it. You got you got to be fucking shitting me if you think I'm going to believe that that really was a terrorist attack. Because if it, if it really was a plane, why don't why won't they show us the footage? Why has all the footage been sealed? They don't want us to see anything. Why was there was there a small hole in the back of the building and a big hole in the front of the building? It makes no sense to me that anybody would say that 9-11 was a terrorist attack. It was not. Okay. So please stop it. Just stop all these things. Okay. Our country is full of shit. They lie about a lot of things. We're really evil. People are always saying how our was better than these other countries will prove it. Because all I see is my people getting killed, getting incarcerated, supporting a billion dollar industry of the jail system, poor education, all the black and urban communities. The water in Flint still isn't fucking clean, people. Are you guys understanding this? Could you imagine your community with no clean water for this long and nothing has happened? Like, could you truly imagine that? These are things that are going on in the black and urban lower lower class communities every day and people are saying get over it there's been so much progress we had people doing this kneeling and fist up thing since the 60s okay and we still have the same fucking issues okay there is no progress for the things that have happened to black people in america okay if you stab somebody with a knife and you pull the knife halfway out people think that's progress that's not progress if you pull the knife all the way out that's still not progress progress is when you start to heal that wound, when you surgically stitch it up and bandage it and allow it to heal and you acknowledge that you stabbed somebody, that is progress. We have not had any acknowledgement of the things that the players are sitting for and saying, you know what, these are problems. These are issues in America. You are right. Black people are being treated differently. Black people are still being enslaved in a way once our country verbally says that, and then you start seeing progress, meaning better schools, more books, better food selections in the ghetto, cleaner water, they're poisoning the grass, the air, the water, everything in these black communities. And then they're allowing the, the crack and the drugs to stay in the community so that they can come in and then arrest the people for this put them in jail, the billion dollar industry, or just kill you. And then when they go to court, they'd say it was justified because the cop feared his life. I mean, these are the type of things that are happening. And if you're not black and you're not in these communities and you don't understand this, sit the fuck down, shut up and let the people that understand what's going on and are being affected by this talk. All of the people that are not being affected by this and that don't have a clue what it's like being black, shut the fuck down up okay all right i had to bring myself down for a minute but yeah there hasn't been any progress you want us to forget slavery forget 9 11 soon as our country forgets 9 11 then maybe we can talk about forgetting slavery till then go fuck yourself all right so now that we've gotten shit kicked off the right way i'm going to introduce my first guest i'm going to have omar kelly coming in to talk to us about the afc east and the bullshit that is the Miami Dolphins. Let me get Omar on real quick. Omar. What's up? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. So I, I took the red eye home. I'm tired of shit. 
<laughs> that 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 day after the red eye is uh, uh, an L for me. <laughs> yeah, I I usually love red eyes, but I didn't think about the fact that I would have to come right in from the red eye and get on the mic and do my podcast. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to rethink this it's entire it's, situation. It's, it's a struggle, I'm sure. It's a struggle. Yeah, so you're still in cause. Yeah, you still in Boston, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, how how's Boston in September? Um, you know what? It's not that bad. It it started raining today, so it's a little bit ugly. I, I love coming to these northeast cities when they've got leaves on the tr- on, on the trees. That that's yeah, that's you don't get you that in Florida. Yeah, I mean, no, don't don't disrespect Florida. Now we got leaves on the trees twelve months out of the year. No, but they don't uh, fall. Yeah. they don't change colors. They don't fall. You know, those yes, are the we don't. Yes, we don't. We don't have a fall. We're year-round summer, but it's okay because we only have one month where it's kind of cold. That's true. And that ain't even no kind of. 59 is not cold, okay? <laughs> hey, <laughs> when you grow up down there, 59 is freezing. I'll never forget you might that. Might as well be in Antarctica. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that first year we were in Miami, and it was going to be 59. That was like a record-breaking low. And they were on the news really acting like the world was about to end because it was going to be 59 in Florida. I was laughing so what, what hard. I, what I love about Florida weather is women bring out their, their scarves and their leather jackets and their Uggs <laughs> when it's like 60 degrees. I wear mine all year, believe it or not. I don't even care. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's get into this game yesterday. You know, I, I got to watch at least the first half of it in my hotel then I had to head out to our, our um, ass whooping. But um, can you just give me a quick recap? I want to talk to you about what happened, what didn't happen, <laughs> what should have happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was it was the classic uh, Foxborough ass whooping mm. um, that the Patriots put down. And, and, and actually, no, actually it wasn't the classic because it's usually the verse where the Dolphins play a pretty spirited effort in the first half and then Bill Belichick does some voodoo magic and figures them out, uh, game plan for what their strategy is, and, and then just whoops the shit out of them. Um, but this was kind of the reverse. where The Patriots did whatever they wanted in the first half, scoring 24 points, and, and that includes um, a score where I believe they, they – no, that was a field goal where, where the Dolphins knocked the quarterback out. They knocked Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, um, out the game. And – you know, still had success doing whatever they want. But the most troubling aspect to me of that first half of the game was the Patriots with a weak injury decimated offensive line, no Tom Brady, no um, no, no Rob Gronkowski, no, no Gronk, just ran up and down the, the, the Dolphins. Uh, I, I think they only punted once in the first half. I mean, every 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 drive was a score. And I'm not talking field goal. Every drive was a touchdown. And they did it just with ease. Um, I, I, I was particularly troubled on my film study when I saw so many um, Chris Hogan's and Danny Amendola's matched up on Dolphins linebackers. And I'm thinking to myself, That's like, a win. you're taking Chris. You, you, <laughs> you, you're, 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 as a defensive coordinator, if you're Vance Joseph and you decided that, okay, we're going to, based on this coverage situation, we're going to have Chris Hogan defended by Koa Misi. And you don't think Bill Belichick and his quarterback is looking at that saying, we got to throw to this man quick and get this one-on-one. Uh, you're mistaken. Like, you you better figure something out. And there was no pass rushing pressure. Um, the coverage was a little soft. 
And the Patriots just exploited every one-on-one that they got the entire game, and it was very, very disturbing. So the, I, I thought this defense would have been a lot better than they were. And, and that's what I the expected. Fact that the, yeah, the fact that Seattle uh, Seattle just lost to the Rams, and, and the Rams are arguably one of the worst teams in the NFL, shows you that maybe it's Seattle that's not that good as opposed to the Dolphins yeah. being pretty respectable. Yeah, I was I was going to bring that up too, but, but to go back to um, – the game against the the Patriots, I, the the offensive line in New England has never been amazing. It's never been great. That it's always been their weakest link, and for some reason, it never matters. And but I thought that this game, considering it's an early game in the season, where you know the Patriots don't get to you know game plan and see things on film, yeah. and, and they don't know what Gase is doing. You know, just one game in, I thought that this D line that they've built apparently with Sue and all this this hoopla would get some pressure on this offensive line that is very injured. And then there's none. So you have to, this is what I always try to explain to people. It doesn't matter if you have three Deion Sanders in your secondary, if you don't get pressure on the quarterback in today's NFL, you're setting them up for failure. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's a, it's the D line's fault or anything like that. I'm saying without any pressure on any team, you're going to mm. get carved up by Garoppolo, by anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting is they had pressure in instances. It just wasn't consistent. And the, the, to watch Jimmy Garoppolo execute New England's offense just like Tom Brady would execute New England's offense, it's kind of scary. It's kind of it, dope. It kind of lets you <laughs> – no, it's kind of scary because it kind of lets you know how much better they coach as opposed to your coaching staff. And I, I, and I really felt like – um, I have a lot of confidence in, 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 in Adam Gaze in terms of what he's selling um, and his understanding of who his team is and his understanding of who the Patriots are and what they do to be successful. But what, what sort of chips away at that confidence is just to watch them get dissected like they did on offense and on defense. I mean, yeah, they turned it around, and in the second half, they, they converted four or five third downs. Um, as opposed to one of five third downs in the first half. And, and everybody knows third downs is when this offense struggles. Third down is when Ryan Tannehill sucks. Um, so to see them improve in the second half is, is encouraging. And to see Ryan Tannehill put up 398 Dog, don't give passing me those yards in, 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 in garbage English. time. It's garbage in, in gar- minutes. Yes. It, Yes, in 398 yards and two touchdowns in garbage minutes when the game is on the line. And, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, not to continue to talk about Tannehill because I don't want you to even talk about Tannehill. Don't, don't even say his name. I don't name. give don't a say shit a word. about him or any of his fans. Okay. Fuck all of them. I am doing my job. I need to talk about sports, and he's playing sports. Yes. We're going to talk about his ass. But here's, here's the thing that, that has always troubled me. He's such a non-aggressive quarterback. And then when he's forced to be aggressive, like there's a 24-point deficit or he needs to drive down the field to score. score a touchdown, you need to do it when, when you say, okay, be aggressive now. It's like, all right, I can be aggressive. But then it just doesn't come natural to him. And then if you always got to have him turn on that switch um, and, and light a fire under him. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm watching Aaron Rodgers play against Minnesota, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers, they're losing the game, and, right. and they lost the game. And, but there is no off switch to Aaron Mm-mm. Rodgers being a No, he's, do- he's a dog from the moment he steps on the field. Yeah. 
And you just, you know, that kind of quarterback scares you. Uh, that kind of quarterback is intimidating. And I, I remember, I vividly remember, um, it was a 2000 and 2010 game, Chad Henney against the Baltimore Ravens. And, and that was really, or, or yeah, that was really the moment where I'm like, okay, either this kid has it or he doesn't have it. And, watch the Ravens dissect them and then talk to talk to Ed Reed after the game. And Ed Reed was basically like, our whole approach was to stay back, rush for four, and and eventually he'd make a mistake. We just got to wait for it. Right. And when he'd make a mistake, we just capitalized. And, and that's my thing with, with certain quarterbacks. If you take a Joe, Flac- uh, Joe Flacco, and I, I, I hate using Joe Flacco because that's one of my favorite quarterbacks just because he's a, such an aggressive quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's going to get you into trouble, but he's also going to bail you out and, and create make some, some, throws. some big plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. When you give you give him a little opening, he's going to exploit and take advantage of it. And you know that's the quarterback that I prefer. I, I prefer a Tyrod Taylor, even though I don't really think he's that great. But I prefer you see it, you go for my throw. Mm-hmm. You know, I I prefer if you if I give you an opening, you're taking it as opposed to you know, you you checking it down to to the back, uh, you know, on third and eight, and you you get six instead of eight. Um, that that I, I I need you to be throwing. I need you to be throwing a pass for for you know for pi as opposed to oh this 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 back is open you know for the first down. Let me throw it to him and see if he can go out there and get it. And yeah. and that's just doesn't that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen with with this offense and. It happened we, a little bit last year under Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell forced him to be more aggressive, but it doesn't happen on consistency. Well, you know, like I always told you, he's a wide receiver playing quarterback. So if his job was to catch the ball, I'm pretty sure he, he'd do it. I'm pretty sure he'd be aggressive. He wouldn't get injured like he's not getting injured now. Speaking you, of injuries. You say that. You say that, but here – and I understand where you're coming from, but let me let me play let me play devil's advocate here. Please do. He's not been a quarterback for six years. He was only a wide receiver for three. He is more of a, he's, he is more of a quarterback. Why? Now, is he a good quarterback? Because he's, because he's in the NFL playing quarterback? That doesn't mean No, no, anything. no. But, but he, he, while I do believe that he could have been an NFL receiver and would have been an NFL receiver. I don't receiver, think he could have been. Okay, he is—he's—he's he's more of a quarterback. He, there's no shame in being the 18th best quarterback in the NFL. He's you, not the 18th, 18th best quarterback in the NFL, Omar. As the 18th best quarterback in the NFL, you gonna make more money than the maybe the number two cornerback in the NFL. You gonna get paid? Yeah, because of the position. But he's not 18th. He's not statistically I, I like. Look at the game yesterday: 300 and something yards. So what? That looks good to PFF, right? It looks like it. What Ryan Tannehill did his job, and somebody else didn't. In actuality, we know that's a lie. Those stats are lying. They're deceiving. He is not the 18th best quarterback in the league. If you want to go by stats, sure. If that's the case, Brent Grimes probably the last place quarterback in the NFL last year, and he went to the Pro Bowl. It, 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 it's it's he. I, I've done the numbers. He's between 16 and 20 in terms of quarterbacks. Now, are there some young quarterbacks that I would rather have over him? Probably. I bet if we named upside. all, I'm, we're not going to do this today, but I guarantee you, no. if we sat here and named all the starters, I guarantee you, you would not pick him at 18. I know you wouldn't. I, I, if I sat here I, I and listed all 32, I, I, and you picked him I at 18? 
18, and I probably conservatively would have put two that are below him ahead of him. So you got him kind of like at number 20 at, at the worst. Yeah, so there's 12 quarterbacks in the NFL that at, you think at, at the absolute at the absolute worst he's probably the 22nd best quarterback at the absolute worst he's mm, probably the 22nd best quarterback. But we got to get into something else. Let's talk. Let's let's get off him because he's annoying. Um, injuries. Arian Foster. What happened? Uh growing and then throwing a hamstring too because you know he's battling that as well. He's old. That's what happens. He's old. <laughs> he's old. I mean, man, he's on my fantasy team. I definitely didn't play him. I haven't played him yet because I don't believe. Are you serious? You pick Aaron Foster on your no, fantasy team, knowing I, the Dolphins do not like rushing the ball. They're allergic to rushing the ball. Well, uh, you thought he'd catch a lot of. Oh, Mark, let oh. me let me finish what happened. So I somehow I was trying to um, sign up for this other league with some friends of mine, and I clicked the wrong button, and I clicked that I wanted to be in another league, and because I didn't know I did it. There was a draft, and I just got an auto. They just automatically drafted for me, and then I got an email like, "Hey, here's your team." And I was like, "What the hell? I don't have a team. This isn't my team." And I was like, "What happened?" And I went back and saw that I pushed a button that said I wanted to go on another team, another league as well. So when I saw the team, it really wasn't that bad of a team. So I decided to keep the team. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's not that bad." So, so you, know? you just you just joined a random. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know any of the guys. No, none of them in the league at all. But I just decide. I I put it on Twitter and I said, Twitter, this accident happened. Should I keep the team? And everybody said yes. Like that's a really good team. So he was one of the running backs on the team. So that's how he and, got and, there. And what's your, and your what's your record after two games? Oh, one and one. Okay. Yeah. Right. Last week I forgot to set my lineup, so I lost because <laughs> I forgot about it. I keep forgetting that I have this team. And then um, I think I won. I pre- I'm pretty sure I won this week, even though the game hasn't happened. Because um, Carson Palmer's my quarterback. Sad. I was yeah. talking to Brent about that. I said, "Listen, I have the Bucks defense, and Carson Palmer's my quarterback. What should I do?" And he was like, "Follow your gut." And I was like, "Yep." I saw those receivers they have, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna just keep him." It was sad, but we, we ain't talking about the books, anyways. Um, Garoppolo got injured. Yes. Kiko Alonso finally uh, earned his paycheck, I hear. Who? Kiko Alonso. Um, nah, Kiko Alonso's getting paid pennies. He's probably the best bang for your buck on the whole Dolphins roster. First of um, all, he got, you, 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 when you say bang for your buck, you do realize the Dolphins lost a draft pick getting him as well, right? No, they didn't lose a draft pick. They moved down five spots. Same and thing. And they got Byron. It's it's a good trade. It's a good trade. No, no matter what it was you a say, good trade for the Eagles. The Dolphins are dumb for picking up that contract from Maxwell, picking up Kiko mm-hmm. Alonso, who's made has his body's made of the same shit that Derrick Rose's knees are made of, and then they went down five drafts. Like I don't understand why they even did it. They they went down five draft spots, still picked up the player that they wanted, and and let and right now Kiko Alonso's got twenty two tackles and two fumble recovers. So he's uh, playing well, I, I, and, and and he put a quarterback out the game, which I, I that's about the only that. thing that mattered to me, honestly. And all those stats you yeah. just said, because I, I, tap- I swear, I swear, quarterbacks you injure should be a stat right next to forced fumbles. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's I mean it's okay. It's a it's. I don't have the Maxwell contract is what it's going to be. It's only for two years, and you're paying you're paying a number two cornerback a lot of money to be okay. Um, but the, you you knew what you was doing when you decided to do what you was doing, and and, and Kiko Alonso was okay. So you the hope is that 
he could stay healthy. And so far, so good after two games. I mean, if he continues on this pace, 11 tackles a game, he's at 160 for the season. I'm good. I'm good. It, it, the question is, can he make the run defense good? And, and so far, they've given up like a, a hundred and thirty something rushing yards per game. Exactly. See, that's why I'm not big on these dumbass stats. All these tackles are any of them for a loss or any. See, here's the thing. You, that's you, what I'm saying. You it doesn't wanna, no, matter. Okay. It, you, you. Here, here's my problem. All right. You hate stats. I know you hate stats. We, 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 we we've gone over this for right. many, many years. Okay. But. Do you have respect for a top 10 ranked unit in anything? Um, it depends on the film. It has nothing to, the stats are the last, last measure that I use. It's, it has okay. nothing to do with stats you, at all. You know I'm a number. You You're know a numbers I'm a number guy. And that's guy. why it was so great when we were on the radio together. Because then you have me who's a film girl and you have you who's a numbers guy. And it just, we came to a I mean, conclusion. Now, the, film is, the film is important to me as well. The film is the only listed. thing that matters to me. You can throw in all these I, I, other know, things and I'll say, I okay. Know, I need to know where you, where you are stacked up with your peers. That, I can't sit here If and you say, can't watch the film and know that, then you don't know. That's no, how I but feel. You don't, know what the rest of, you don't know what the rest of the league is doing. Let's say your yards per carry average. What is the yards per carry? Now there are 15 teams running for over 101 yards in mm-hmm. the NFL this season after the first two games. 15 teams. What do you think about the teams who are not rushing for 100 yards per game? Listen, here's what, here's what, what it is. You can rush. You can have two running backs rush for 100 yards each per game, but what happens if you don't score? It doesn't matter to me. That's what I'm saying. I saw the first game we played against the Falcons, the Bucks. okay? Matt Ryan had over 300 yards in our secondary, but he didn't do anything. You see what I'm saying? It's just yards. Yeah. It's just stats. You can get 80 yeah. between the 20s. You can get 80 yards every single possession and not score, and those stats make it look like you are lit or it makes it look like the defense is not playing well. But what really matters is if they're getting in the end zone on you and if they beat you or not. So that's why I say I don't care if a running back is getting 100 yards a game on a defense if it means the defense is still stopping them when they need to. What, what if they get a field goal? After all those rushing yards, they only getting field goals. They're, they're not scoring or, you know, they're punting or, you know, whatever. Those, th- that's more important to me than the stat of how many yards you're, you're letting a team get on you. Like, I, I, it's cool. Uh, uh, I mean, it's cool to talk we, about we, it, but we, it really doesn't mean nothing to me if we're really talking about wins and losses and who's getting off the field. Yeah, well, you, you make an, a valid argument considering Cincinnati and Minnesota are the two worst rushing teams in the league right now. Boom, um, and, and Minnesota is, is is looking like they might go to the doggone Super Bowl. <laughs> well, not without Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Not, not, uh, this, in this league, you definitely can. You definitely can in this league, in today's league. He didn't even play. When did he get injured Um, last night? Um, I, I don't know when he got injured, but I do know I saw him on some crutches. I, he's, I, yeah, he's, but he's Adrian Peterson. I think he's got a little bit of Wolverine in him. He might be back next week knowing him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just really feel like if, if their defense is playing the way they are and Sam Bradford's getting the ball out early and their offensive line is controlling the line of scrimmage, they can still win games without Adrian Peterson. That's just and having yeah. him is a, having him is like – even more ridiculous, obviously, but I think that this league r- having a running back rushing for a hundred yards is a bonus. It's not a necessity as long as you can get the, let, a- the ball in the air. Let, let me ask you: you, you We've seen the NFL for two weeks. 
who would you say are your top four teams? Uh, the Patriots are for sure um, up there without Tom. I mean, what, what, why would I even ever, ever argue with that? You know what I'm saying? Um, I definitely have to, uh, even though they lost, Green Bay will always be in, in the discussions because of their quarterback. Um, yeah. Hmm. No respect for Denver? No, no, no. I mean, they surprised me. That, two two victories in the first two games, two tough opponents. Yeah, I, I, I was going to put them in there. I was going to, you know, probably put them in the fourth position. But, yeah, Denver is definitely looking good. I don't trust the quarterback yet. I do not trust him. I no, do. I do no trust their. Trust yeah, I do trust their defense. I I really go off of teams that have a a good quarterback and a good defense. So yeah, with those two those two teams, Denver does have a really good defense. The quarterback, I'm you know I'm still a little iffy, you know, not sure on. And then of course the um, Carolina Panthers. Ooh, Carolina over Pittsburgh. That's a yeah. little shady on my part. Well, I, I've, I, I, I've already I've already seen Carolina do it. Okay, you all right. I haven't seen I mean, Pittsburgh. You seen Pittsburgh? Okay, that was talking about Pittsburgh. Today's a, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was stop hanging on to the old shit. They haven't done nothing recently, <laughs> so the Carolina Panthers have. So I have to give it to them. So those four teams are who I would kind of um, predict, basically. I, I hate, I hate, I feel, I feel too much, you on too much NFC though. What you think? Uh, I think the AFC is, is a little weak. Yes, uh, is that I what it is? Yeah, I mean, when the Patriots are still the juggernaut and they don't even have the quarterback, hell, they might be going with Jacoby Brissett for, for Thursday night's game. Black Houston. quarterback and, in Boston. Hot damn. How'd he look? It's, it's, uh, he's just a rental. He's just a rental. So, he, 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 let's not put no stock in him. He's not, he not about to beat Jimmy Garoppolo. Much he, still held, he still won the game. He did win the game. He he actually, you know, was pretty efficient. I mean, six of nine passes. Uh, you know, and that's, that's not pretty, bad. That's uh, not bad. That's you know, I'm, I knew they were going to run mean, the ball a lot once Garoppolo got hurt. So I assume that's how um, they beat him. That's beat how what Blunt got all the yards. Um, yeah. Oh my God! Is, is I that, saw is, him. Is that a better running back name than Blunt? Um, probably Kush. You could you you have to be <laughs> named Kush. like Hammer. Hammer. Yeah, that would yeah. be dope. So you saw the Thursday night game, right? Yeah. Jets, Bills, um, they're going to be battling for that number two spot. I've already given it to the Jets. Yeah. You gave it to the Jets too, right? Yeah, no, I, I think the Jets are probably – I think the Jets are a 10-11 win team. Now, when I saw Brandon Marshall go down with that knee injury, man, I was like, damn. Nervous. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know that's that's another Wolverine right there. They got mm-hmm. superhuman genes because that that knee injury, and I said this on Twitter, would have put eighty five percent of the NFL out for the season. That's, yeah, that's and this man, I thought maybe he'd come back and play in like week five. This man came back in and in, in right hand. back like was, oh, you thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You thought uh, he needs to yeah. give some of that Wolverine blood to Revis because um, it's a lot of shade being thrown at Revis Island these days. You know, I don't know why you keep coming at these quarterbacks. You, you are the, the you are the person that taught me. You gonna take an L as a quarterback? Yeah, you, you are, are gonna are take going, L's. There are certain you are people. Going, you are 
you were paid handsomely to take some L's. Yes. Have a quarterback bend you over their knee and mm. thank you because this league is designed to, for the cornerback to, to fail. However, however, there's a difference between a catch and being beat. There are two different, those are two completely different things. A catch happens quite often. It's going to all happen. There is no such thing as a shutdown corner. Okay. Now, I agree. Getting beat is a different thing. That is, I was not in position to make a tackle. I was not in position to make a play on the ball. I quite, I quite frankly got beat. Revis deserves a bad day, a bad week, a bad. Yeah, two. And you know the dopest okay. thing was um, the post game show. Brandon Marshall, man. As much as I want to hate him. I can't. I totally love him because he went up there and he heard everybody trashing Revis and he still stood by him and he's like, that's still the number one corner in the league. Like, I don't care what you guys say. He's had two bad weeks. Give him a chance. He'll be back. He was, I think he said something like by week five, he'll have it all worked out or something. But I love that he supports him. You know, win, lose, or draw. That's a dope teammate to have. Somebody that even if you've have you know, having bad weeks or whatever's happening, the media tries to torch you. You know, he's really yeah, standing by it, his team. I mean, it's, it's really uh, – Revis is a media-created entity, and I give him props because black people don't get an opportunity to create an image in the media. I mean, Revis Island, come on now. That, that's that's completely pretty, marketing. Pretty dope, and, though. And, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it's, in, it's helped him make real money in a league designed – to not let anybody but a quarterback make real money. Right. But it, now the, the the problem is people are people don't have an understanding that he's going to decline. Everybody's going to decline. Yes. I, I said he and, was declining two years ago. I said I, I saw the, the step he lost, and nobody everybody told me I was crazy, but I saw it. I'm still saying I mean, he wasn't that. He wasn't that. He, he wasn't already wasn't re- fast. He wasn't, yeah, he yeah. wasn't the Revis we all – he was never fast year, ever fast but he was a really good corner and the fact that he had that surgery I think that's what put him a step slower and now you're seeing the decline and the step slower and that's why we're having the the the, 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 the island is being invaded I want to the question <laughs> the question I have for yeah, you is that man, that man just needs some help that man just needs some help well, you know when you're getting 16 million dollars a year like you said you don't always get help so, question uh, is, does he get another one year, eight, 16? When you get nine, you don't always get help. Exactly. People, but that, that, that's, that's unfair to me when people say that because, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter how much money you make. You 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 still deserve help. over. Like Brandon Marshall, there's nobody in the NFL that's going to cover Brandon Marshall one-on-one because all he does is push you off. All receivers push <laughs> off. It's not just him. No, no, but he's very good at it. Oh, he's, and he's a lot he's, stronger than you. Yeah, he's aggressively pushing off, so... Yeah, I mean the league is designed for and, that, and they're not gonna call it because he's Brandon Marshall. He has a reputation. Same thing with Revis. Revis touches you, it's no call. Another corner it, touches it, you after five yards, flag. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's the league. They are built on these players and these stars and these images. So they are they are once you've established it, they allow you to do that. They allow you to they allow you you know just like Cam Newton now where Cam Newton, because he plays like a running back, they let people beat his head in. Well, I heard like, there's I, I, another I, reason that's happening. Anyway, but we're not even going to go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know I'm down to go where the controversy is. 
if it, if it was some black referees out there, I guarantee they'd still ignore his ignore his ass. It has nothing to do well. with the color. It has to do with the referees not don't like him. They have an issue with him. They legit have well, an issue with him. I believe. Well, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know how much referee personalities play in player relationships. Play well, if that, you looked but, at the yeah. stats of the number of um, yes, of flags uh, thrown I, for I've him. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous, honestly. But that's because I think that's a lot because I, I'm not excusing it. But that's the style that he plays. He play, they play him like he's a running back. Who cares? He's a quarterback. Who cares? Okay. The league is going well, in that direction. The, the league. Like hold on, back. Omar. The the I'm not talking about just the plays when he's running. There are plenty of plays where he's throwing the ball, but because he's a running quarterback, people use that excuse to hit him. I think it's very unfair. Yeah. What are we going to do when it this is. league completely goes because the black quarterback is on its way? This league is is going to fail or they're going to have to conform to the black quarterback that runs the ball and can throw it. So what's going to happen when you have a league filled with Cam Newtons? Are you going to just let them keep getting fucked up? Or yep. are you going to call the game like if it's a quarterback no. and they get hit in the face? Or no, anywhere? The, the league is the league is going to evolve and all these quarterbacks that are running, you're going to be able to tee off on them. I can't I, wait to I, see that I, not happen. It's never going to happen, Omar. <laughs> it's never going to happen. You know you, why? You, you right. Because these you front right. offices are not going to let that happen because that means they're going to be losing games. That means their quarterback's going to be injured and have to play backups upon backups. And that loses money. That loses ticket sales. That loses that, that you don't, don't get wins that way. So I cannot see that happening. Yeah, I really you, you're can't. right because you, you could barely get 40 good quarterbacks in NFL. Exactly. Now. So they not no team, and that's why I said I can't believe the Panthers haven't really spoken up about this because all it's going to take is one hit and he's down, and then what's their season going to look like? I don't even know who the backup is. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody cares. Let's wrap this up real quick. Who the Dolphins got next week? Uh, uh, Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland Lord. in a must in a must win situation. This Cleveland the- in. The funniest thing about this whole game this week three is every time a fan base has trashed the Dolphins on social media, anytime the Browns fans trash the Dolphins, the Dolphins always, that's the one team that can't say anything to them. That's the one team that they feel like (laughs) is beneath them. The Dolphins feel like all you other 31, 30 actually can say whatever you want, but the Browns can never say anything to the Dolphins. What happens if the Dolphins lose to the Browns next week? Um, you know, and it's a good thing you asked that because I, I was really thinking about it. I, I think in my in my experience of covering the NFL, a four game losing streak is a death sentence. You might as well stick a nail in the car. Well, this is just time. three, so let's not jump ahead to four. Wait, who I, they got know, in game but, four? But here's my here's my thing. <laughs> if they if they if they lose to Cleveland, mm-hmm. that means you're going into Cincinnati, uh, AFC playoff team for the last five years, mm-hmm. uh, last four four years, uh, on the verge of a four game losing streak. And to me, that's the season over. Another um, another so, quarterback that the the Dolphins pl- fans say is better that Tannehill's better than. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Um, but to me, Cleveland has no chance to beat Miami Why? from a talent standpoint. What? But When does that ever matter? Uh, yeah, it don't when? matter. It, it, just looking at the talent, man, Cleveland ain't got nothing to offer them. 
but you never know. Jamar Taylor's starting a cornerback. You never know. What you trying Jamar to say? Jamar Taylor's starting. What are you trying Damn, to say? Jamar, Jamar Taylor is a starting cornerback in the NFL. I'm sorry that you allowed the shitty Dolphins to make you think otherwise. They put Jamar Taylor in some of the most impossible positions, just like they did Brent Grimes. The only difference is Brent Grimes is not Jamar Taylor. So if if Brent Grimes was an average, pretty decent, you know, could be starter in the, in the league, he would have had the same dis- disastrous year as Jamar Taylor. The Dolphins put Jamar Taylor in man-to-man for the whole season with no safety help. And when there was safety help, that it wasn't there. So I'm, I'm not uh-huh. taking last season and judging Jamar Taylor off of any of that. I would uh, judge I, him I, this I, year. I, he's, a, he's a decent cornerback. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to say he's a starter, but that, that, that's, that's, that's and yet, good. And, and yet glad, you have Ryan Tannehill at number 18. Are you serious? You sitting up here saying Jamar Taylor. <laughs> you know uh, Jamont Taylor is not the 18th best cornerback in the NFL. Jamont Taylor might be the 90th best cornerback in the NFL. That's fine, but um, he's a starter. He is a for okay. sure starter in the NFL. That's one okay, thing I can uh, say. The, Ryan Tannehill gets cut tomorrow. It's five of the raggedy I guarantee. I bet you money nobody wants Ryan Tannehill. I always wanted to see him at free and see if anybody, because people always say, oh, well, if he was a free agent or if they, he was on the market, there'd be so many teams can, that want him. No, every, I don't everybody, believe that. Everybody, think, everybody thinks they can fix him. Everybody. Why? Why would and, you think you could fix somebody that's really just not that talented? He's talented. He's just not good. Oh he's got God. talent. He's got ability. Uh, if you give if you give him, and I, you know I'm not a Ryan Tannehill fan, you give him to uh, Sean Payton. It doesn't matter, Omar. He has no pocket presence. None. What you think that uh, yeah. that Sean Payton's gonna do? Teach him pocket presence? What year six? How long is it gonna take <laughs> before you guys realize pocket presence is something that you get in college, and you bring that into the NFL? You don't get it in, in the NFL. Well, Dave Dolphins gonna see if they can prove you wrong on that right now. Hey, he didn't get sacked. He really did get sacked, but he didn't get sacked. Against um, uh, against New England, so Dolphin fans are holding that up as a trophy. Oh, well, he, so he they can't a, blame the offensive line this time. So who are they blaming? Whose fault was this game? It's it's somebody. You know, it's somebody. Somebody. Somebody's going to get the so blame. It's probably the coach. They're probably blaming hey, Adam Gase. He threw he threw for three hundred and eighty nine yards. Now only only let me see a hundred of them actually counted when the game mattered, mm. but. It, you know they they're gonna hold that up as a trophy. He's he's right. coming around. I just looked at something that um, Monday Morning Quarterback wrote, and I didn't even I didn't even get to the story. And Andy Bennett, who I have respect for, wrote Gabe's getting everyone everything right except the record. And, and then it it, it the, the 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 headline is um, he's getting improved play out of Ryan Tannehill by pushing the right button. As a play call, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, they're I'm not watching the, the game. game. They're not watching yeah. the game. That's exactly I, I, what I, I hate the about the media. Game. People will really just look at stats and then write a whole novel about a game they didn't even fucking watch. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. If you watched that and, game, and you would not say that. You would say, Jesus, they need help over there. Thank God Garoppolo got injured because this really could have been a massacre. It would. It would have been a forty-something blowout. Oh, like it ours. Been ugly. Like you, our and, game. And you know. You know Bill Belichick was not taking his foot off the brake. Yeah, that's why I'm like, you can't have watched that game and think that Adam Gase has got it all figured out. There's no way. You were you were thankful yeah, I, as a Dolphin fan when you saw Garoppolo I, go down. I, 
I might have gotten into paragraph two before I started because people sent it to me like, what did you think of this? And I, I opened it, looked at it, and the first thing I'm looking reading is I was like, Ryan Tannehill pushing by getting an improved play from Ryan. I'm like, where's the improved play? Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There's two things that Tannehill is not good at, uh, consistency and clutch moments. He's failed in clutch moment number two. I, I'll, give him, I'll let him be clutch in moment number one. Um, he did drive them down the field and get a go-ahead touchdown, surprised the crap out of me, even ran for a touchdown against Seattle. Um, so I'll give him a, a, a check for clutch in the first game. Uh, but game number two, uh, clutch moments, uh, didn't he throw an interception when he had the opportunity to tie the game? Yeah. I mean, so, but, I'm just happy that and, he didn't throw it into the stands like he did when we played the Chargers last year because he didn't want to get an interception. No don't comment. act like you don't remember that play. <laughs> <laughs> Let me chill. Okay, hey. so you got so next week you got the Browns losing in Miami, right? That's what you're telling me. Yeah, man, they on their like third quarterback. Come on, bro, you you ain't winning up. No, you ain't beating nobody with your third quarterback unless you're the Patriots. You know I'm gonna have you back on next week, right? <laughs> All right. This better be a win. <laughs> Thank you so much, Omar, for joining me. I appreciate it. Tell the people what your Twitter, how they can reach you, what you do for a living, all those things. Nah, the, the, I don't want them. You don't want your Twitter, Twitter. Uh, uh, huh? <laughs> you don't want your my Twitter. Twitter. If, you, if, if you know where I where I'm at, you know where I'm at. Oh, uh, about the Twitter, but you can find me on sunsentinel.com. Sweet, appreciate you joining me. <laughs> all right, talk to you later. All right, peace. Shout out to Omar Kelly for always being available and always hopping on with your girl and. Not really being afraid to saying exactly what's happening. You know, no fear of losing his job and all those things. I got an Ask Miko question. Somebody asked me why there aren't as many African-American or black or brown people in the sports reporting, sideline reporting, media business. I truly believe the reason is, one, a lot of us don't think the job is like cool like it's not really that cool all the time to be a sports reporter because a lot of the media is a whole bunch of corny ass dudes that really don't know anything about sports another reason I think is because a lot of times when you're covering a team and you're doing this job there comes a time at some point where you realize you're either going to be a truther Or you're going to be a liar. Once you know, like, really what's going on, like, I'm awake. I know all the shit that's going on in the NFL. And you don't report about it. And you don't acknowledge it. And you don't, like, agree with it or speak up when someone else is acknowledging it. It's almost like you you feel like you don't want to do that part of the job. You don't want to be awake. And do your job. You would much rather just continue on being asleep. And just getting a paycheck. The people that are awake. We get shoved out of the industry. We get you know pushed aside. Because there's obviously more people that can do the job. That's willing to do it quietly. And without disrupting the the league. And and what it has going on. So to me that's the majority of the reason. That there's not as many African American people. Is because once we know better. We would like to do better. And it's not like you get to make a whole lot of money in the media. It takes you a long time even just to get up to a level where you can make money and, 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 you know, gain an interest and gain a crowd and, you know, a fandom and all those things. So I think that's why 
I think we get pushed out because we're too honest. We're too truthful about what we see and what we are willing to overlook. And that's really it. And we're getting slowly pushed out. All of those, all those of us that won't comply and won't do what um, is being asked of us, we slowly get pushed out. So I believe that's why. I don't know if it'll ever change, but I do believe there needs to be more black and African-American sports reporters. I think there needs to be more coaches. I think there needs to be more referees. I think there needs to be more black male teachers. A lot of us need to be more present in a lot of places in America, but I'm not sure how to get there. I really don't know. So hopefully I answered that question properly because I have to move on because although I love talking about the AFC East, we're not there anymore. And it's a really good division, you know, outside of the Patriots. The other three teams are going to be competing. So I, I love to talk about the division in the aspect of the other three teams because they're always battling each other. And there's always just, you know, a good good rivalry going on with everybody else. But I have to switch gears and I have to call my boy Cam from Canada in. He's going to talk to me about the NFC North and give us a preview of the Monday night game for this week, which is something we're going to do every week. Okay, so let me get Cam on the phone. Hey, Cam. Hey, Miko. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Good. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you. I know we, we spoke, uh, what was it, a week or so ago? Yeah, we did the preseason. We did the, we did the season preview. Yes. So I had to have you back on because I'm going to be covering every Monday night game and seeing as though the Bears will be playing the Eagles. I figured you could really be a good person to, to talk to about that. But I also wanted to recap that Browns and that Ravens game because you were the person that was kind of telling me that the Browns would really challenge the Ravens for that next spot. And that was a really good game. I, I unfortunately didn't get to watch all of it, and so I heard about how the Browns lost. But I wanted you to kind of recap that real quick for, for all my fans and let, let them all know what happened in that game. You up for this? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so, so tell me what uh, happened in that. In? Tell me what happened in that Browns Ravens game. Well, I mean, the Browns jumped out to a really, a really fast start. Um, some really, really good things happened. I, I was really not very happy as a Browns fan after Week One. There were a couple of key momentum killers. One of them was a, a choice by Coach Hugh Jackson to go for a a fourth down fake on a punt and, and didn't get enough guys on the field. And it was a bit of a nightmare. So we lost momentum and, and weren't real good in that game. And I thought imploded, um, you know, RG just took a beating. Uh, when he got hurt, you know, a lot of people are upset that he didn't slide or whatever, but he's a courageous player. I mean, that's what, that's what hurt him in Washington is he's too courageous. Uh-huh. And he tried to get those extra inches and, and took on a, Took on a, uh, a tackler that he, you know, a lot of guys would have rather seen him not take on and broke his shoulder, which that's not about being soft. The broken bone has nothing to do with being soft. He broke his shoulder. So uh, coming into this game, uh, you know, Flacco started off, I thought, you know, really good. Precision was there. I'd say there was probably four or five key drops early, and we got off to a 20-2 and two, 20 to two start. Um Corey Coleman, who I didn't like at all in week one. Um, I thought he quit on a play. I thought he looked lost. I thought he was still processing. It looked like he, you know, had some inhibitors in his in his thinking, um, probably trying to process the playbook. 
Um, he just completely revitalized in game two. He was unbelievable. Wow. I mean, he looked like uh, an elite all-pro player, you know, two touchdowns and presence of mind to get out of bounds at the right time in a certain situation, just exceptional. Pryor was good. Um, Crowell had 135 yards on, I think, 18 carries or something. So, you know, it was a real good situation. But once again, discipline. But the Browns, um, I'd call it snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Man, because you know? when I hear those stats, because, um, you know, people are all about stats, and you hear those stats, you just yelled off, and it just sounds like a win. Yeah, it, you know, the thing that I like about it is that the team did everything they could to lose and still almost took Baltimore out. So, but, you know, that you, you and I both know, Miko, that stuff only lasts for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, moral victories, you can be excited about it. But you know that it doesn't matter whether it's three points or one point or we had them down 500 to one in the first, you know, whatever it is, eventually that fuel dries up and that moral victory fuel not only dries up uh, significantly, but it becomes very, very demoralizing when you're close. And, you know, I, I don't know where we're at. I just know we were much, much, much better team in week two for sure. Well, that's impressive. It's something positive to look forward to. I mean, I know that you lost RG3, but um, coming out and showing that well, I know it's not a moral, you know, I don't, I don't do the moral victory thing like you, the one you lost, but it is a good thing because it just appears now that Cleveland's not a team that you can just roll over and beat. Like you've got to actually compete because there are some pieces there now and they're ready to compete. Yeah. Our defense was, was real good. Um, you know, I'm not a big, uh, you know, Tremont Williams, all the respect in the world. He's such a good man. He's had such a storied past and great career. You know, he's a step behind. Um, you know, Joe Hayden had a couple picks. And, uh, you know, his athleticism, his explosiveness to get up to those picks was great. Um, just on straight lines, he's really struggling with straight lines. They had him playing off off coverage a little bit that game. And, um, you know, but his gaps weren't there and, and – you know, although, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. He had two unbelievable picks, but, you know, made a bad mental decision uh, to jam with his with his uh, hand into the throat of a receiver a couple times and, you know, ended up with the ball down on our on our seven or eight-yard line because of it. And, you know, bad penalty, and, you know, his coverage was really loose on a touchdown, on a slant and a touchdown. So, you know, we're just not very good in the secondary, which is what I talked about earlier. Um, but our defense, you know, under Ray Horton just looked absolutely ingenious the other day. Again, uh, offensive line was struggling um, a little bit. I don't know why they want to play an H-back or a double tight, but they won't do it. But whatever, that's up to them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I think it, once again, they're going to have to get a win real quick here because if they don't get one, it's going to become it's, quicksand. Yeah, no it's going to get too. it's going to get too far underneath them and they're not going to be able to get out of the hole especially in that division, which is very competitive. Um, how did uh, Your Flacco, boy Flacco. Yeah, tell me about my boy Flacco. Tell me about Mike Wallace. How, how did they look? He's really good. He's a really good player. <laughs> you know, he, uh, like, you know, I said vanilla, but very confident, very good. I mean, he just, he's unflappable, right? And, I mean, yeah. some of the things he did, he took a hit, you know, it was, I would call it a late hit, and still got the ball off and just, you know, just look like a pro. Just look like an absolute total pro. Never so exactly did he, so he never he panicked when they there. were down. 
Never, never did you ever see any, any any fear in their eyes or like that he he showed anything that made it look like he wasn't going to come back and win the game? Not at all. But you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Baltimore, for all the talent they have, and they do have talent, they're not a very well-coached football team. There's not a lot of details there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really wonder what Harbaugh is doing there. Um, mm. I just, I don't see them at the end of the day. I don't see them as a very well coached football team at all. So Flacco is definitely the guy that keeps them together. That's my view on it. And subs up front, obviously on right. the defense as well. Did he, did he get any passes to Mike Wallace? Cause I talked to him in the preseason and all that. He was very excited about getting Mike Wallace and saying that this was something he really needed. And I'm pretty sure Mike was, you know, happy about that. So did they connect at all in the game? Um, a little bit, yeah. There was nothing too prominent, but they were definitely uh, there was a few drops as well. But there, there'll be a there'll be a tandem that should be able to get back together and uh, or should be able to get it together for sure as the season goes on. I mean, timing was off. I think that the fact that you know Flacco puts balls exactly where they need to be, and um, you know he's been he's been away from that program for about a year, and it was very much like you know when when G three. Um, came in this year and started throwing to the Browns. You know, he was putting balls where, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, on a line. Not not every ball, but the ones that connected, and sometimes it's hard for the guys to handle those balls. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it'll get better and better for those two for sure. Okay, so who do the Browns have next week? Do you um, know? Man, I think my mind my, mentally, I think I mentally blocked it out of my mind here, Miko. <laughs> I haven't even you've thought given, about it. Um, you've I given just, up on them, or you just you, you are you still no, mad? Not at, all, not at all. I just I usually take my Mondays just to uh, just to relax and so, start thinking all things on Tuesdays. But I'll get it by the end of the show. I, for you. you just wanted to exhale for a little bit. That's all. Absolutely. I will yeah. tell you who they have. Okay, they're playing the Miami Dolphins. Good, yeah. yeah, it's the Dolphins. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. in Miami. How do you feel about that game? Um. I mean, I think we're due. I mean, I, I just, you know, I think that Ray Horton's defense, like Danny Shelton in the middle for our our, our defensive line, that big Samoan, that kid is a beast. Mm. He's a beast, and he's starting to get pushed. He's starting to collapse pockets now. So um, I think they're going to really, you know, they're going to make, I don't know if you've heard of a quarterback in Miami. His name is Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the thing about it is that Tannehill is definitely flappable. Um, I think Ray Horton is sitting back licking his chops. And uh, I think personally that they're probably going to be able to run. I mm. think they're probably, the receivers are going to potentially go off. And uh, I think that they're going to be able to really do some damage in the front seven, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out in the limb, and and pick my brownies for sure. Mm. Yeah, I had Omar Kelly on earlier. We were talking about the AFC East and and uh, how the Dolphins are doing and the Patriots and all that. And so then we talked about the Dolphins next week, and you know we talked about him them playing the Browns, and he basically thinks like, oh yeah, they're gonna beat them. It's the Browns, and I'm like, you think that, but the Dolphins aren't anything special like at all. You know, and I and I always see, and I said this to him, I always see on Twitter, the Dolphin fans really feel like if there's one organization or team that they're above, it's the Browns. So the Browns coming into Miami and beating them 
on at home while the Browns are on the road, that would be pretty incredible. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's happened too is I know that this off season. Um, I, I think that we looked past Philadelphia as a fan base. I certainly didn't. Um, can talk a little bit about Carson Wentz, too. But mm-hmm. um, I didn't look past Philadelphia. I think we really, really thought as a fan base it was going to be a, a game where we could probably book the band. But I, I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be that way. Um, the second game of the year, obviously, against Baltimore, you know, I never, you know, I didn't know for sure it was going to happen. Uh, but, but this one against Miami, I think probably I can't tell you what Hugh Jackson thinks, but my thought is with him going down to Tampa and practicing in Tampa for a week, mm-hmm. um, I think that, that was probably a pretty good indication that this is one they've had circled this Miami game. And if you think about it as a coach, you're probably sitting back saying, geez, I, I really don't know what I've got in my first couple of weeks. Let's really focus on being ready for that week three. So they went down and they practiced in Tampa for a week and they got their bodies used to that heat and that intensity. So I have a feeling that they've probably been pre-planning and, and game-planning this game for some time. Um, let's remember that, you know, Adam Gase is a, is a rookie head coach. Right. And, uh, you know, he's Jackson, a quarterback Hugh whisperer, Jackson, though. <laughs> I think I, I, exactly. I hear he's a quarterback exactly. whisperer, so. Yeah, that's what they say about everybody that comes in, right? So, I mean, I could break that <laughs> I know. theory down the boat. Don't even do it. You know, I, I had to kill Omar a little bit earlier about that. You know, some people re- really, truly rely on just statistics to, you know, measure someone. And I'm not that kind of person. Like, yes, you can use stats, but film and the truth are generally all you really need. And the stats can come in to back up or not back up whatever it is you feel you saw in film and the truth. So 100% and it's all, it's all instinct, right? Because I look at a guy like Goff. I mean, I took a massive beating. I was, and I, you know, I'm not here to toot my own horn. Yeah, Maybe please do, please. Cause we were going to talk about this. Please yeah. toot your horn. Yeah. I, I was one of the first, well, I, I was the first person to talk about, about Wentz. You know, I, I went on Cleveland Browns daily back in, in January. And I said that Wentz is the best quarterback. And, and I said that Wentz is pro ready. I also said that, I mean, at that point in time, Nico, I mean, I was getting laughed off. I wasn't getting laughed off, but people were trying to laugh me off Twitter over that. And the second thing that happened was that, um, you know, the comparison between Goff and Wentz. And what I said at that point in time was that Goff likes the perimeter. I mean, every athlete likes the perimeter, whether it's, you know, hockey, whether it's basketball, whether it's football. It's nice to get into a cushy place on the field or on the court. And, and it's nice to be there, and who doesn't want to be there? But I, and you'll 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 know this as a pro athlete. You got kids, or you have athletes that want to go forward all the time. So whether it's soccer and it's a D, you know, a, a fullback or a center full that's pushing forward and maybe losing contain and getting beat, or a defensive back in grade ten in high school that you know is going for the pick, or the point guard that's you know, rushing up to challenge or, you know, whatever it is or forcing things. But you give me one of those athletes that pushes and pushes and pushes and isn't afraid to go north, you got something. If you've got someone that's always naturally dropping back into contain, giving a soft, you know, a soft um, gap, you know, really smart. And those are the intelligent players. I mean, you got to know when to pressure and when to contain. But the ones that naturally drop back, those ones I, I, I worry about. Now, the best way I describe golf, this is going back to last year, 
was he's a guy that's always rolling back on his heels. He's almost throwing fadeaways at times. He doesn't drive forward. He's not, he's not always going forward. So to me, that's no, it's the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, obviously you end up lofting balls and you end up putting them where you don't want them. But to me, there's a mentality there. Why is that guy always finding the soft place on the field? Why is he always getting rid of the ball before he gets hit? It's, I don't think he's necessarily intimidated, but his mindset was always to find that perimeter place. So a guy like Wentz is just driving right into the heart of things. He doesn't care. Josh McCowan, same kind of thing. So I was I, I said right off the bat that Wentz is more pro ready than Goff, and I wondered whether Goff would ever be able to play in this league. I did that as I, back, far back as you know a year ago. I remember you saying this, and I when I when I saw that he wasn't starting, and he we saw how bad Case Keenum is that his name? Case? That, am I saying his name right? <laughs> I was I was trying to figure out if if you saw your quarterback struggling and your team struggling at one point what point do you put golf in because you can always go back to case if golf isn't ready but you don't just sit him there and take these butt whoopings that they've been taking and you may be right it may be because he hasn't picked up the playbook yet or he's just not ready because I don't see another reason to sit him he was the number one draft pick number one overall what's going on I think he's going to be really good. Like I, I once again, um, I think he's going to be real good. Like you don't throw away that kind of talent. He's got great composure. He sees the field. You know, he is a smart quarterback. And certainly, I don't want someone that's that's not wanting to. You know, I, I don't want a guy that's wanting to go out there and be a hero and get hit unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. With that, I mean, you know, it's going to take some time for him. The other thing I want to say is that that victory last night, that 9-3 victory, which is basically a hockey or a baseball score, right? Mm. Or a high school J- J- JV football right. score. I mean, that St. Louis, Louis, pardon me, that Los Angeles Rams front seven, I mean, that 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 front seven, I mean, basically, Nasty. I mean, they could go, they could go grab like 10 rhinos and put them in football <laughs> gear. I mean, like that team, and I saw it last night with Minnesota too, like those guys are beasts. Like they mm-hmm. are, they are men. I'm telling you, those guys. Like you look at them compared to other teams. I don't want to be negative about the Browns or, you know. But you look at those guys from from LA and you look at those guys from Minnesota. I mean, those guys are men. It's like when Dallas Carter came out in the field against Permian in uh, in Friday Night Lights. I mean, it's just a it's a yeah. whole different world of athletes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what happens when you have great athleticism and good coaching combined, and you create that 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 intimidating front seven that a lot of teams wish they had because that's genuine, genuinely what you would need to get past the first round of the playoffs. You know, a lot of people can get there based on their quarterback, and once you get there and you realize, and the playoffs is a kind of a different game because the defense is really kind of get an opportunity to to make an impact. And I believe having that type of front seven is what can push you to get further into the playoffs and possibly the Super Bowl. So there's a couple 100%. of teams that really do have those good front sevens. Carolina had that. Seattle had that. And you see how far that they've gone over the last couple of years. So it would be interesting to see if the Vikings and if the Rams, because the Rams, although they won, it, it was not pretty, like you said, but it's still a win. And being able to hold yeah. teams to that, that amount of points and consistently doing it will give your offense an opportunity, you know, that, that they desperately need in L.A. Because, as you can see, they're not scoring a lot of points either. 
But it's not about how much you score. Exactly. It's about who scores the most. <laughs> so that exactly. was exactly who scores more. Yeah, who scores more? So um, let's uh, change gears real quick and talk about this Monday night game. So we've got the Eagles and the Bears, Week Two, Monday Night Football. Give me your breakdown. Give it, give it to me. What what you got in this game? Um, I'm gonna tell you why I think the Eagles could possibly win this game, and uh, one of them is that they're they're the Bears are a little bit depleted right now at corner, so. Right now, we're in a position it looks like where where Fuller may not be in, and uh, you know you've got Callahan probably going in, who's five foot nine. Um, I, I, you know the back the back end to me of that secondary. I think we mentioned that when we talked last time. They're not very good in the secondary. Um, Wentz is extremely extremely accurate. I mean, we saw that the other day. Um, he looked very unflappable against the Browns. Now, I'm going to say that that might be a that may very well be a false positive. Um, you know, we weren't we weren't great that game. Uh, the Browns weren't great that game. But I think that you know the Eagles have, I think, a, you know, a very very good front seven. So there's a you know real good chance. You know, we mentioned last week, Miko, that the Bears' O line is 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 rough. It was better. It was better than I thought it would be. Okay. Um, against Houston, but it it certainly, um, I think that that you know the Eagles front seven and, and Jim Schwartz, uh, you know they run that wide nine or wide ten, and you know they're gonna what they're gonna do, and this is the beauty of it, is that Jim Schwartz can sit back and say, um, hey, you know what, Carson, uh, pardon me, um, my apologies. What what the Bears can do is sit back and say, you guys can beat us. You guys can, you know, try to beat us with with throws. Um, we're going to come hard at you, that kind of thing. And they may try to confuse confuse Wentz. But I think what's going to happen on the flip side, and apologize, I was talking about Schwartz earlier. I think Schwartz is going to be able to sit back and say, we're going to get at you, Jay Cutler. And, uh, you know, we're going to sit back and we're going to allow you to throw um, as much as you can. It's going to be a balancing act, right? So he's going to have a tough time with deciding whether he can get at Cutler or whether he wants to bring full force. So is he going to stay with a four-man front and, and not be exotic and not bring a lot of blitzes? Um, that's what I kind of wonder about, too. Now, on the flip side of that with with uh, with the Bears, I mean, Jay Cutler is, and we talked about this last week, too, Jay Cutler's a beast, right? Right. Like, we determined that. He's a beast. <laughs> and um, like him or love him or, you know, whatever, at the end of the day, like Cutler is a Monday night maniac. I don't remember him losing on Monday night. I think he's like six and two or something in his last Monday night starts. Wow, interesting so, stat. Yeah, he owns Jim Schwartz. I mean, you got to remember he's played <laughs> against Jim Schwartz for how many you know how many years when Schwartz is with the Lions. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's owned him. He's absolutely owned him. So I think the stat is that he's one. You know, seven of the ten games he's played against Schwartz. So, um, you know, I think right now with with the Bears, you know, you have a position where you know Alshon Jeffrey is is uh, is really really an unbelievable player. Yes, I think the connection is there. Um, I think with Wentz, I think he was a bit of a product of of the success against the Browns. It maybe wouldn't have come against a bit of a better team. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to pick the Bears. They're they're a good Monday night team. They're at home. You know, they're they're in a position where they need this win. I just think this will be the one where where Carson Wentz is going to kind of come back down to life a little bit, and okay. uh, and it's going to be a yeah. I think I think we're going to call for the Bears to win this one. Wow, interesting. I, I I'm not sure I agree. Only the only reason I really say that is is because the Bears aren't really scoring a lot of points. They didn't, they scored 14 last week. I believe that the Eagles will probably put up you know the same amount of points, and I'm not sure that they will have enough in Chicago. Now, Alshon Jeffries, I believe he's pretty incredible as well. I don't know which Jay Cutler is going to show up, but hearing that he's six and two on Monday night, I I. I kind of feel you. <laughs> I didn't know that. I know Jay Cutler's a great quarterback. He does a lot of really, really dumb things, but a lot of times he does those things because he's trying. He's trying to make plays. He, you know, he's out here trying exactly. to win games. You know, and and I love quarterbacks like that that are willing to take chances and and you know willing to put themselves out there and lose on that same arm. So I respect him so much as a quarterback. Although he gets a lot of criticism, I think he's a great quarterback. Um, my guess, my gamble guess is going to be on the Eagles and mainly, mainly because of how Wentz is playing. That's, that's genuinely, honestly what it is. It seems like he gets it. It seems like they could be rolling on something pretty good in Philly. I don't want to jinx it because that city really doesn't do much of anything good in sports these days. seems like, but I'm going to go with Philly. I kind of, (laughs) I can't even be sure. I just don't see the Bears scoring enough points is what the issue I have, you know, with them, the run game and, and the D-line. And, you know, it's just – I don't know. But I think this is going to be a really good game because watching the um, the Redskins and the Cowboys yesterday and seeing how this division is really going to be shaken up, this is going to be a really, really big game for the Eagles. Because this will kind of set a tone as to, like you said last week, was that just a joke? Was it was it a hoax? Like, is Wentz really that good? I think we'll all get to see tonight on Monday night if he's really what we think that he was or is. So it'll be a pretty Leonard good game. Floyd, Leonard, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Nico. Leonard, Leonard Floyd is a was a force against Houston, mm-hmm. and uh, they played him. You know, he's a lean, athletic guy. And, uh, you know, the Bears played him almost in a, in, you know, that's going to prompt people to say you're comparing Leonard Floyd to J.J. Watt. I'm not, but they played him in that type of a role. And he was very, very disruptive. He came at the tackles. He came at the guards. He lined up over center. See, to me, that, that type of guy is almost impossible to game plan for. So what you have, I'm a big four-eye guy. I like the way Buckner played in, in um, Oregon. I like those guys that can get on the – you know, get on the inside, you know, shoulder of the tackle or get on the mm. um, outside shoulder of the guard. They can also come from the outside. Those four eye, that position to me is very disruptive if you have a guy that's athletic enough to do it. And to me, Leonard Floyd did it in Houston. I mean, he was exceptional. I think he's going to be an absolute nightmare, um, you know, for Wentz to handle. The other thing is the running game. I mean, they did give uh, Langford, I think he had like, he, he touched probably 20 times. Mm-hmm. against Houston and and you know um Howard was really good I don't know what's going to happen in the regular season but in the preseason he was he was unbelievable unbelievable against Cleveland so okay. um so I there's think, some hope there yeah, there's I some think, there's some good things happening in Chicago I think this game 
I, I think this is the one I, I would be surprised. And, um, I think the bears might go off tonight. I really mm. do. I think they might, I think people might be. Well, going, I hope you're right. What just happened? I hope you're right. This could be a really good game. I'll make sure I'm ready because this this might be pretty exciting. I'm I'm kind of excited. Are you? Yeah, I'm super pumped. And that that one last night was unbelievable too. The Vikings and the Packers. What a game! Oh my God, what a game! I I mean, okay, toot your horn. Go ahead. <laughs> you my were the horn, per- what horn? <laughs> you were the person that told me the Vikings were going to take the division this year, right? Well, we gotta give we gotta give credit to your show. That that was the genesis of that comment. It happened on your show. So if you'd like me to like share in the credit, yeah, for the sure people that didn't sure. hear it, for the people that didn't hear, it, go ahead. Well, I just I I thought, and that was after Teddy got hurt. Obviously, um, right. I'm a big Sam Bradford guy. I'm a big Sam Bradford guy. You talked earlier about quarterbacks that are aggressive and and push to get the ball through, and then you have guys that are super accurate and game managers. Like, to me, Sam Bradford's just been a guy, like a powder keg, just waiting to get in the right environment. So, as I said last week, when when he got to Minnesota and everybody was lamenting Teddy going down, I, I said, I, I think Minnesota's going to be better without without Teddy. You did. Teddy's very, very, you know, he's very competent and he's very, you know, clinical and very intelligent and, you know, all that stuff. But to me, Bradford doesn't care. Like, he was putting balls in places last night. I was like... You know, if I was a micromanaging type coach, I'd be like, what are you doing? But, you know, just like the great ones do, Rogers does it. You know, Teddy's starting to do it. Or, pardon me, not Teddy, but uh, Jameis is starting to do it. Teddy wouldn't do it. Um, you know, Brady, these guys, you know, they're, they're not afraid to take chances. And that was one of the biggest things about Tom Brady, I remember early on in his career, is Belichick said, I learned very, very soon with this kid that if I start giving him heck in practice for trying stuff, I'm going to curtail him. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, curb his development because this guy goes into practice and does things that, you know, any other coach in the world would be mad about. And Belichick said it was driving me crazy, but I had to learn that if I was going to see this kid evolve and we were going to evolve as a team, I was going to have to let some stuff go. And to me, that's what Bradford's doing right now. And I saw that last night in Minnesota, like, he came in, he's got nothing to lose. I mean, Teddy had everything to lose. He's got a whole state's, um, you know, hopes and dreams on his shoulders. And you can tell he's conscientious. He cares. He's a good person. Bradford doesn't care. He's got his money in the bank. He's a, you know, he's well-respected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he stuck around in Philly. He, he kind of got his reputation back in order after holding out. Now he comes in here and goes, I don't care. I'm going to put that ball where it doesn't belong and I'm going to put that ball where it shouldn't go. He doesn't care. And guess what happened last night? Like that digs, digs just went off last night. Well, I Stephon mean, Diggs is a baller. I've been talking about him since his rookie year. He's a pure baller. Like he flat out can play football. Great athlete. Anybody that would get Stephon Diggs is got a gym. He's, he's incredible. He's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and you know, like, and humble and and intriguing. Like I saw him a couple times with his helmet off last night. Just I'm just intriguing athlete. Just a, one of those guys. And you know Duke John. I'm not trying to get into Browns, but Duke Johnson's like that in Cleveland too. You know he's a. Uh, you know there's, there's just those certain players you look at them and you're just intrigued by them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he for sure Diggs is one of those guys for sure. So I don't know. I, I mean that Minnesota defense is ridiculous. Nasty. Ridiculous. Yeah. 
would love to Whew, I know I know that Sam Bradford like because a lot of people were thinking like oh my god Bradford's gonna come here and it's gonna be bad like Minnesota's not gonna get be as good as we thought they were because Teddy went down but he came in and he's he's balling he's doing what he needs to do he's putting the ball where it needs to be he's doing a lot of things that everybody said he was incapable of doing and that he's made out of paper mache so when he got the hand hit I, I kind of was like oh my god is he is he going to be out and he came back and he played through it and he showed his toughness and they really got a good win I I, I was shocked I, I like I told you I'm I was betting on Green Bay to win the division and to beat them in that game as well but seeing that and seeing that Aaron Rodgers, even still, he still played well. He still did some really good things. But the strips, the fumbles, all those things that that defense caused, oh, my God. They are a nightmare. Do we have them on? The, uh, no, they're not on our schedule this year. <laughs> good. Yeah, because they're, 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 they're scary. Like, they're bad men. Yeah. That's front seven for Minnesota. They're bad men. Like, they're... Like, they are bad men. Like, it's like I said, that L.A. front seven, too. Like, they're just, and they're cerebral. They're not, it's not like they're, uh, you know, it's not like they're just running out there bull rushing everybody. No, they, they're strategically they're, whooping that ass. <laughs> oh, intellectual football players. There's nothing better than a big, bad, smart football player. Nothing better. You're right. Well, Ken, I got to go. Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you so much, and I'm going to be watching the game. I'm, we'll be tweeting about it, of course. And uh, we're, we're going to see. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with the Eagles. You're going to go with the Bears. Let's see who, who wins this one. But I think you might win. I can't even lie. But I'm just going to go with my gut. I'm going Bears. You're going Bears, yes. I'm going to go Eagles. So we, we're at a battle right now. we got to we got to check back with each other tonight and see who wins. But thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Okay, Miko, have an awesome day. All right, you too. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. So awesome having Cam on. He always comes with so much knowledge and so much stuff that I really don't think about. You know, I, I focus so much of my energy and my time on the teams that my husband plays against. I can't possibly watch all 32 teams all the time. I genuinely try. I really do. But it doesn't always work out that way. So I'm happy to have people like him and Omar Kelly coming on and join me. If you guys know of any other reporters, they don't have to be credentialed reporters. They do have to have a following and do really have to know the game. But if there's anybody else from your division and you want them to represent on your Monday night game, on the Thursday night game, or the Sunday night game, those are the three games I'll do my best to try to cover in my one-hour period. Sometimes it's going to be an hour and a half, like this show. But um, I'm accepting all guests and people with knowledge. So shout out to Cam. Shout out to Omar Kelly for joining me today. This was a really good show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and let's watch the game tonight and, and see who wins. Like, let's, it's Monday night, you know. Let's have some fun and watch some football. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. 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 Peace.